This is a CNA podcast. Domestic workers, they're often young and they're almost always women. They make critical contributions to households and society. But it's some of the lowest paid work there is. Along with long and unpredictable working hours, there can also be abuse. Is the dishes one clean enough? The wife would tell me to be naked and would make a video of me. I was stripped to the skin and told to sleep on the balcony. She would then pour syrup on my body and lock the balcony door. That was 18-year-old Risky. Her former Indonesian employers punched, kicked and beat her. She was just one of countless victims. The International Labour Organization says of the 67 million domestic workers around the world, almost 10 million are employed in Southeast Asia and the Pacific. So, if there are so many of them in this region, why are laws protecting them so weak? We find out in this episode of CNA Correspondent. I'm Teresa Tang. Our correspondent Saifulbari Ismail joins me to look at the situation in Indonesia. Welcome, Saiful. Hi. Hi, Teresa. That clip, it was so difficult to listen to. And in your story, we can see Risky's face etched with the trauma of having experienced something so harrowing. Activists in Indonesia say over the past eight years, there have been more than 3,200 complaints of violence against domestic workers. So what are we talking about here? How many domestic workers are there in the country and who employs them? Well, Teresa, there are about 4 million domestic workers uh, in Indonesia. A majority of them are, as you said, female, and they live and work in their employer's home. Now, these domestic workers are employed as either cooks, cleaners, uh, babysitters, and caregivers. Uh, Most domestic workers in Indonesia just handle one task. Now, if the worker is employed as a cook, then all she does is cook and not anything else. Now, earlier we heard Rizki. Now, she's from Cianjur in West Java province. She left school to work as a domestic helper in Jakarta last year to earn a living for her family. Uh, She has no work experience and it was her first time being far away from home. Now, the first two months working with employers who are a young couple was all right. Then the horror began. The abuse and physical violence she experienced from her employers shocked her. Risky is still reeling from her trauma even now and told me that she never wants to work as a domestic helper again. That's terrible to hear anyone go through that. How prevalent is abuse of domestic workers? I would say it's quite prevalent in Indonesia. There are more than 3,200 complaints of violence against domestic workers since 2015. This figure cited by activists in Indonesia. Now, that works out to at least 33 cases a month. Now, the number is likely to be much higher because many of these abuse cases are not reported. Uh, Many domestic workers are afraid uh, to report to the police if they have been the victims of abuse and physical violence. Now, I refer back to the case of Rizki. Now, she told me that when the violence did not stop, she just wanted to run away but was too afraid to do it because her employer had threatened her against doing it. Rizki was eventually sent back home by her employers in October last year. Now, when she arrived home in Cianjur, her parents were shocked to see the state she was in. Risky looked so different from the time when she left home to work in Jakarta. 
Her head was shaved bald by her employers. She looked so skinny and there were bruises all over her body. Now Rizky finally related her ordeal to her family and it was her uncle who made the police report on her behalf. Subsequently, Rizky's employers had also made a police report and filed a countersue for false claims and defamation. Can you believe that? Now currently, police are investigating the case and it may take a while before this can eventually be resolved. Now, it's a sad story, but unfortunately, Risky's case is just one of many that's happening in Indonesia. Many domestic workers do not report abuse cases to the police because they are afraid the authorities may not believe them and may be taken in by the employers instead. Now, these workers live in with their employers and they are rarely treated as members of the family. This makes workers vulnerable and often at the mercy of difficult and unreasonable employers who think that just because the workers live in with them, that gives them total control over the workers. Now, in addition, in the absence of a written contractual agreement, many arrangements are nothing short of a master-slave relationship. Yeah, like you say, fear definitely a factor. And the International Labour Organization also says their workplace, it's so isolated and pretty informal given you're in somebody's private home, which presents more opportunities for abuse. Saiful activists in Indonesia, they're working hard for these domestic workers. They're working for better care, for legal protection. And in your story, you attended a demonstration in Jakarta in front of the House of Representatives. I want you to talk about what these activists were demanding. But first off, what was the reaction from people who were walking by? I know there was a reenactment. There were women covered in fake bruises. What did people think of this? Well, Teresa, unfortunately for the domestic workers and activists, there weren't any spectators looking at the reenactment. This is because the location of the demonstration is next to a busy highway and it's not a common uh, pedestrian walkway. So the demonstration did not attract any curious onlookers. Now, the only other groups present were a handful of policemen who were there to make sure the demonstration was conducted in an orderly manner. And then there was us a group of reporters busy documenting <laughs> the reenactment. So even though there weren't any spectators, that didn't stop the activists, you know, from staging the reenactment of how a domestic worker was being abused by her employer. Now, in the reenactment, a domestic worker was in a steel cage with her hands and legs tied in chains. And other women, supposedly her employer, was standing outside the cage shouting and berating the worker. The woman was also seen hitting the cage with a steel chain. The activists are using these symbols to convey a deeper meaning on the matter. The image of a domestic worker tied in chains in a cage can be construed as the worker losing her freedom and losing her rights as a normal human being. Now, the image of the other woman who was shouting and scolding the worker is sadly something so common in the relationship between employer and worker. The woman was heard shouting at the worker, describing her as stupid, idiot, and calling her a dog, which to Indonesians is one of the most derogatory words to call someone. It's hard to believe that these reenactments are not that far off from reality for some women. In Indonesia, Saiful, a bill to protect domestic workers has been in limbo in parliament for close to 20 years. That is just shocking. Why has it been hung up for so long? Well, there has been no progress for nearly 20 years, mainly because of the lack of political will from lawmakers to pass the bill and make it into law. The bill was first presented to the House of Representatives in 2004, 
by the National Network for Domestic Workers Advocacy or JALA PRT. It's a coalition of 26 groups and individuals established in 2004 to champion the plight of domestic workers in Indonesia. Now, lawmakers and their political parties have no real interest to advance the bill, probably because domestic workers is not a hot-button political issue that could win them votes in elections. There is also a lack of pressure from the public. Now, we don't see massive street demonstrations organized across the country like other more controversial bills in the past, such as the revised criminal code, the jobs creation law, and the amendment to the Corruption Eradication Commission's law. All of those laws saw huge street protests, some of them ending in chaos and even riots. Now, it's different from the bill on the protection of domestic workers. There is no big public pressure because many people are most likely employing one or more of these domestic workers at home themselves. They are probably happy uh, with the current arrangement in which essentially no laws govern the employment of these workers. The employers decide everything, including wages and working hours. Politicians may be reluctant to pass the bill because if passed, it would lead to the formalization of domestic workers, which will mean less control over them and perhaps a burden for those employing domestic workers. A bit of a minefield, isn't it? After close to 20 years in limbo, if this bill does get the green light, how much will the lives of domestic workers in Indonesia change? We find out with Saiful after this. Hey everyone, my name's Stephen Chia, and I'm host of CNA's weekly news podcast, Heart of the Matter. Now each week, my job is to ask questions you have, like why is the COE so high? Why aren't singles dating? Or what is going on with the red-hot property market in Singapore? If you want the views behind the news, then tune in each week as we get to the heart of the matter. We are on the CNA and Me Listen apps and wherever you get your podcasts. Hit follow or subscribe so you don't miss an episode when it drops. Welcome back. Activists have been patient, to say the least. Two decades is really an unacceptable amount of time. If and when this bill passes, Seifel, what impact is it going to have on domestic workers? Would, would you call it a watershed moment if it happens to go through? It will definitely be an important milestone, especially for domestic workers in Indonesia who have been fighting for their rights for so long. Now, one significant change that the bill will bring is that domestic workers and employers must enter into a contract in writing, setting out terms and conditions. Now, these include putting in black and white the salary of the domestic worker. Now, currently, there is no such formal practice. Employers and domestic workers just verbally agree on a specific amount and most of the time, these workers are afraid to negotiate for better pay, especially those who do not have any previous experience. So it's important for both the employer and domestic worker to have a written contract between them so that it's not just up to the employer's whims and fancies to pay how much they want. This is also crucial when it comes to any salary disputes between employer and worker to prevent cases of it being your word against mine. Now, I think it's also useful to point out that the bill does not set out terms for minimum wage for domestic workers. Now, salary is a sensitive issue, and I do understand that 
worker advocates are not demanding that employers pay the minimum wage as stipulated in different regions in Indonesia because they know that making such demands will make it more difficult for the bill to be passed. So the approach is to take small steps first, to at least get domestic workers to be formally recognized in the legal system so that they can get the healthcare and other insurance benefits and leave the issue of minimum wage to fight another day. You know, Teresa, sometimes we just take simple things like a written work contract for granted. It's something that we are so used to, right, me and you. We cannot imagine being mm -hmm. employed without one. And, yeah. But we forget that domestic helpers are workers too. Now, even though they may be perceived to do menial work, but it's important work that they do. Now, I believe many households cannot function without them. I personally employ an Indonesian helper to look after my 95-year-old father in Singapore. I'm really indebted to her for helping to take care of my dad. I do not know whether you have a helper at home, Teresa. <laughs> I wish I did, honestly, because I see the invaluable work that they do. Right. So my helper, she's been helping me for about eight years now, and we have a pretty good employer-helper relationship. For me, it's difficult to monitor her work because I'm in Jakarta and she's in Singapore with my dad. Now, I have to trust her a lot and we communicate every day. And the way I look at it, I have to treat her the way I would want her to treat my dad. Mm -hmm. So far, it has worked out okay. Anyway, back to our discussion on the <laughs> situation in Indonesia about the bill. So it will have a positive impact on them. We talked about uh, how the bill will require the employer and worker to have a written work contract, not only spelling out salary, but other conditions too, like benefits, working hours, rest days and holidays, healthcare and other insurance benefits. Now, the bill also sets out the minimum age of workers at 18. This is, of course, to prevent the exploitation of underage to workers. Now, the bill also addresses the issue of violence against domestic workers. Employers who are found guilty of violence and physical abuse on their domestic workers may May, may face eight years in jail. Now, I spoke with another domestic worker, 35-year-old Sanya, who comes from Lampung province, and she welcomes the changes that the bill seeks to bring. I think this is good because for rest days, some of us get two days in a month or once a week. That's based on the agreement between the domestic worker and employer. Now, there's nothing like this. Employer can do as they wish to act against domestic workers. As you were talking about earlier, Risky's uncle had to step in and help. And these domestic workers often become part of your family, according to friends I know who employ them as well. Saiful, is pressure coming from advocates making any difference at all? I was reading reports and some activists in Indonesia say they believe the only way they can be successful in their fight is if they humiliate the government. Well, Teresa, what the activists are trying to do is uh, to heap pressure on lawmakers to quickly start their debate on the bill and pass it into law. They are putting pressure on the lawmakers by showing their presence in front of the House of Representatives, demonstrating in front of Parliament every Wednesday morning. The activists have vowed that they're going to demonstrate, they're going to protest in front of Parliament until the bill gets passed. Essentially, they are reminding the lawmakers that there is unfinished business to be taken care of. Earlier, I alluded to the fact that these protests only involved a small group of people. These are not massive demonstrations that are able to catch national attention. But I think the point is that at least this group of activists and domestic workers are doing something. They're not just keeping quiet and waiting and hoping 
for lawmakers to act on the bill. These activists see that there is hope when President Joko Widodo made the announcement that he has instructed the relevant ministers to consult lawmakers and stakeholders to speed up deliberations on the bill. Activists are trying to build on this momentum to push their agenda. Now, activists have staged reenactments of how domestic workers face abuse and violence. They also have held a hunger strike in front of parliament as another example of abuse to show that there are many cases when domestic workers have not been given food by her employers. Now, activists are also trying to engage the media and conduct public forums to spread information and awareness on the plight of domestic workers in the country. Domestic workers, though, they're part of a larger system, aren't they? And they often end up in foreign countries to work. You mentioned you have one helping out your father in Singapore. There are Indonesian domestic workers in other countries. So what impact is this bill going to have on them and on their foreign employers if they're working outside of Indonesia? Well, Theresa, Indonesia supplies uh, thousands of workers every year to many countries, and most of these migrant workers work as domestic helpers. For example, in Singapore, there are about 120,000 Indonesian domestic workers, but this bill on the protection of domestic workers does not affect migrant workers who are in a foreign country. There is a different set of laws regulating Indonesian migrant workers. So again, this bill that we are talking about only affects domestic workers in Indonesia. But the bill may indirectly have implications beyond Indonesia's borders. Worker advocates say the bill on protection of domestic workers is similar to agreements which Indonesia insists with a foreign governments when their citizens employ Indonesian migrant workers. What it means is that the bill can strengthen Indonesia's bargaining position when it makes demands on the destination countries to protect their migrant workers. So Indonesia should also have regulations that are consistent with their own demands. Now, some of these destination countries do not have laws that offer enough protection for migrant workers. So Indonesia's call to enact the bill will provide moral support to these migrant workers, migrant domestic workers, as well as send a strong political message to migrant receiving countries to perhaps pursue a similar policy. Now, in addition, with stronger protection laws for domestic workers in Indonesia, this may encourage more workers to choose to stay in the country to work instead of going overseas. Of course, another reason why workers would opt to stay in Indonesia is that they will be closer to family members. It sounds like it would definitely be a step in the right direction. But we're here, Seifel, 19 years after the bill was first introduced. So what's next? I want to know, is there any inkling as to if the bill will be successful this time? And if so, how soon? This is a very urgent bill that many have been waiting for. That's right, uh, Theresa. It's hard to tell how soon the bill will be passed into law. Uh, the Indonesian parliament is in recess now, but will sit again next month in March. Activists hope that the bill can be passed this year. Now, their optimism stems from the fact that President Joko Widodo's coalition controls 80% of seats in parliament. Now, in the past, Mr. Widodo has been able to easily bulldoze and pass controversial bills into law. So activists are hopeful that with Mr. Widodo and the government showing their political will to advance the bill, lawmakers will also take the cue from the government to eventually pass the bill. This is also in line with the government's commitment to uphold the dignity of all workers, including domestic workers, and ensure 
that no one gets left behind. Fingers crossed for some good news, Saiful. Thanks very much for highlighting the fight for better protection of these workers in Indonesia. Thanks, Brisa, for having me in the show. The TV version of CNA Correspondent airs on CNA every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Catch up with them anytime on cna.asia. The team behind this episode is Saya Wynn, Clara Ong, Crispina Robert, and me, Teresa Tang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>